Hello and welcome to Dressing Room Talk. Today's episode is Work Life Waitress with Bailey McCall. Michaela, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, everyone. So Bailey McCall is a Brooklyn-based actress. She just got off the tour of Waitress, and she's also been in the national tour of Cabaret as Sally Bowles. And let me mention, once again, she played Jenna in the national tour of Waitress. And we are so incredibly excited that we get to speak with her today. And she was so willing to chat with us and our Dressing Room Talk listeners. And I can't wait to hear more about Bailey in general. Bailey, say hello to everyone. Hi. So let's get started. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Bailey, please give us a background on how you got the theater bug. How'd you catch it? Oh, um, so I got the theater bug in high school. I um, had never done theater before other than, you know, like Christmas programs at my church. And I grew up kind of singing in the church choir and my sister was a really great singer and she, she would teach me how to harmonize and we would sing together. Our voices are really similar. So we had a lot of fun singing together, but I always (laughs) just felt like it was kind of her thing and she was (laughs) showing me the ropes. And when I got to high school, she really was encouraging me to take a chorus class and I didn't want to at all, but she swore that if I just took one semester, I was going to love it. And so I agreed to take one semester of chorus just to try it out. And she was totally right. I fell in love and I happened to go to um, high school in my hometown of Knoxville that had a big musical theater program within the choir department. So the big musical they were doing that year was Crazy For You. And uh, I was lucky enough as a freshman to get into the like elite group that did the musicals, the Bobcat Company. And uh we did Crazy For You and I was a little chorus girl and we <laughs> tapped and sang and I acted for the first time and it was just the most magical experience. And I kind of thought from that point that like, this is what I want to do. I loved it so much and felt like this is my home. This is who I am and what I want to be and what I want to do. And I want to move to New York one day and be on Broadway. And that was kind of it. (laughs) And you're making it happen, truly. You're fulfilling that childhood dream, which is so cool and exciting to watch. It's super sweet to think about that. So did that inspire you to start to look into college programs? And what was that process like for you when you were kind of doing that pre-college hustle and going to all these auditions and deciding on a program? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't do a ton of college auditions. I think I applied to three schools. I think I applied to NYU and College of Charleston and the University of Tennessee. I didn't even really know anything about applying for musical theater programs or conservatories. I didn't send in any tapes. Like I just, I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really put the time in to be honest. And I didn't know for sure. I knew that I wanted to do theater, but I didn't know for sure if I was going to major in it in college or just kind of try and do it on the side and then pursue it more later. So I think I knew kind of deep down that I wanted to stay home and and go to college at the University of Tennessee, which is what I ended up doing. So I didn't really do the like college audition thing. My summer of my sophomore year or freshman year um, of college, I uh, heard about the Cap 21 musical theater summer program in New York City and I think at that point I was looking at maybe doing grad school or something like I was looking into Juilliard and like NYU, Tisch and all of these schools in New York. Um, And I found that 
Cap 21 had a summer program. And so I ended up applying and auditioning and going to the summer program, which was six weeks, one summer. And I kind of wanted to not go back to college and just stay in New York and do it. I loved it so much. But I, I did end up going back to UT and finish my undergrad. And then I went to Cap 21, like, for their full program after I graduated. So I feel like I didn't have a very traditional experience of, you know, applying and auditioning for all of these colleges. I kind of just knew what my little path was going to be and stuck to it. And it took me like to all the right places, thankfully. Trusting the universe is important. Yeah. So where did the universe take you after college? So like I said, I, I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And then I went back to CAP 21 and did their, uh, it was a two-year program at the time when I, when I went there. CAP has had many variations in the years of its existence. And when I was there, um, they weren't with Tisch anymore. They were just their own program. It was two years. And then there was an additional industry practicum and showcase. That was this additional six months preparing you for a showcase and also doing some workshops and masterclasses with agents and casting directors in the city, which was really, really cool. So I did that. So that was about two and a half years um, that I was in CAP 21 between the program and the showcase. And I finished up, let's see, I graduated in 2015, finished up showcase in 2016, and then um, started working professionally. And I've just, I've been in and out of the city working, not working, <laughs> doing the side hustles and all <laughs> the things uh, since then. Well, how many years would you say you've been in the city? So I moved here in 2013. What does that make it this year? Eight, eight years this fall? Wow. Yeah. Going That's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I just surprised you <laughs> by that question and answer too. <laughs> yeah. But I think you have to, I'm a big like time person and date person. I think it's important to mm-hmm. kind of look back on that and remember, oh, right. It's been that many years. Okay. Right. <laughs> or like, oh, you know, those memories when they pop up on Facebook of you and like your high school show. And I'm like, eight years ago, I was in that show. I'm yeah. doing like musical theater yeah. for eight years. Like, wow. Like, even when you're not working to take a step back and like, remember how long you've been doing it and going at it and like continuing that, I think is so important to kind of see like how your journey has gone and like where it's going and how much you've grown and you've changed and you've succeeded and not succeeded throughout it all I think it's important to kind of recognize that so I'm glad I like asked that question because <laughs> it's pretty amazing that yeah. when you think about it it's been that long right it really is it reminds me I was just listening to a, a podcast I'm obsessed with Brene Brown and she yes. had Brandy Carlisle on recently and I was just listening to that podcast this morning and Brandy talks about she says like she's always this she's always 11 year old Brandy Carlisle inside like so Aww. You know, she talks about imposter syndrome some and just, you know, looking back on like your 11 year old self who, you know, like me, my freshman year of high school, just dreaming of doing this thing. Mm. I still kind of feel like that. <laughs> just, you know, I'm just older <laughs> yeah. and I'm like in a different body and in a different place. But deep down, I still feel like that little girl. And so to think about it in those terms, too, that we're all kind of still our childhood selves, yeah. you know, just living out these experiences. It's really cool to then look back and and see where you are and how far you've come because uh, it's sometimes hard to see that in the moment you know we're always thinking oh yeah well, what else what's always next? thinking ahead what more yep yeah. exactly and connecting with that inner child is so important even like 20 years from now 
because we're always growing up and changing. It doesn't just stop like when you're 11 or when you're 25 or, you know, like we're always kind of growing up and learning things and going through the stages of life and, (laughs) you know, having moments and having great moments. So it's, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. I love Brene Brown too. She is like a queen. (laughs) She's definitely the best. Everyone go listen to her and like read her books because talk about that like work-life balance that we're talking about today. She will change your life. Yeah, she will change your life. Mm -hmm. Speaking of work-life balance, how did you navigate that while being in the city and doing all the auditions? I know it's quite the hustle to be going in and out of those. So how did you find time for yourself? I think I'm still learning that, especially in this new season that we're in of, you know, not in like lockdown quarantine, not in quote unquote normal life. It's this new kind of phase. So I, I feel like I'm kind of still learning and relearning that um, it's it's really, really tough. And I think it's something we all struggle with. I think especially as, you know, freelance artists, you really struggle with it because you, <laughs> sometimes your job is not paying the bills. So, you know, it always felt to me and feels to me like you're working a handful of jobs, you know, you're working, auditioning is the job, basically. Um, if you get mm-hmm. an actual role and you get a contract, you get a show, that's amazing. It's like winning the lottery, but like auditioning is the day to day, you know? Uh, and then you're working your job that actually pays you money. So whatever your survival job is, your side hustle, that's actually your main hustle sometimes, you know, when you're not on a contract, uh, you're doing that. And then you're doing also like the business side of everything, which is another full-time job, you know, doing your socials and keeping up with your website and networking and taking class and all of these things. So it is really, really tricky to balance all of those. And I think we're always going to kind of be learning and figuring out what works for us as individuals and what the best process is. But I don't know, trial by fire, kind of like you're kind of just are thrown into it and you have to figure it out and you learn what works and what doesn't. And um, I've worked a number of of survival jobs and um, some of them great, some not so great. But I learned like, how do I explain this? Like I I started working in retail and that didn't make any money. Like I loved it because I love fashion. I love clothes. I worked at anthropology and it was really fun and cute, but like didn't make much money. It's not super flexible. So then I started working at a restaurant, which is great money, really flexible. Mm-hmm. You can like pick up as many shifts as you want. You can give away as many shifts as you want if you need to audition. And eventually I just felt like I lost part of myself. It, it just became really kind of soul sucking for me, to be honest. So even though I had that flexibility and the money, like it was kind of ideal on paper, I felt like I was drowning in it. You know, I just felt like even though I have the time and space and money to go to an audition, I don't feel like I'm doing my best work because I am so deeply unsatisfied. And so then I started, uh, well, I did some like temp jobs. I've just done so many things, but then I started nannying, which I really, really love. And that it's kind of a balance, you know, it's, it's not as much money as serving most of the time, but I really value time with family and time with kids and it makes me feel just like myself and a normal human living out like a human day as opposed to being stuck inside a restaurant. So I think that was a huge thing for me to learn, like, you know, what's worth it. Cause you need all of those things. You need financial stability and flexibility and all of these things, but it's also really important to value your time and your work 
even when it's not performing, like even if it's just your your side hustle, you know, because sometimes that's the majority of your days and your weeks and your years sometimes, you know. So I think that was a big lesson. And you have to enjoy those downtimes, the times of not work yes. and be filling your cup and taking care of yourself while you're essentially waiting. It needs to be like a fun process of waiting. And why wouldn't you choose that side hustle that fills your cup and like waters your garden? And in the meantime, you're also watering someone else's garden by like being with these kids and like hopefully you're making their day because they like want to see you and they like you and they get to be away from their parents Mm -hmm. and have someone cool come into their lives. You know, it's like (laughs) you have to find whatever. And maybe that's waitressing for you, which like some people love it. Yeah. And like talking to other people is great. It's a great job for actors to like connect and chat with people and, you know, like you said, flexibility and money. And if that fills your cup and it's not too overbearing or taxing, like great, but you have to find that like healthy balance because like you said it can get soul sucking and then you walk into an audition it's happened to me like I walked into an audition I'm like I am not here (laughs) like I have my stuff prepared I'm semi-warm but I don't feel connected to my body or my voice at all and you know I've been waiting in line for four hours and I just finished a shift at midnight last night like how do you you can't do that every day you know I love the trial by fire uh, comment and quote. I'm going to kind of use that. You have to kind of fail and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, never has a truer statement been said on this podcast. Truly, yeah. We're like, maybe you should have <laughs> merchandise that says that, trial by fire. So I want to know, how did you get into the union? You're a member of Actors Equity Association. No, I am still non-union. Good for you. I have some EMC points, which is the equity membership candidacy, but... um. It's, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not necessarily by choice. It's just the way that it's happened for me. I mean, look, look at how you've grown and like made it work. And look at how non-union is opening up more opportunities for actors. I feel like it's kind of the place to sit. I'm working with a coach right now who is like, don't be in any rush and don't feel like it's the end all be all. And don't feel like it automatically changes your career and makes you better than everyone else. It's not this just like golden ticket to like stardom and roles and constant work it's a totally different playing field that you need to be ready for and and you make the decision when it's right for you and if the decision hasn't popped up yet then like it hasn't Mm. I think it's like a wonderful time to not (laughs) really have to deal with the union (laughs) craziness right now shout out to everyone who is yeah we hear you and see you actually let's talk about being non-union and what that what has that been like and what has it been like getting these amazing staple roles in musicals on tour what has that experience been like and how do you like feel about it you know it's all I've known obviously I don't know the union or you know I know of it and I know how it works and everything but um I can't compare the experiences but from my experience of of being non-union for the past however many years it's been since I got out of school it's been great it's been fine I think there is you know again there's a lot to be said about equity and how, how difficult it is to get into the union. You know, it's, I feel like there's this mindset that like there's non-union and then the next step is like EMC. And then the next step is equity. And that is a gauge of your talent and your experience and all of the things, which it's, it's not, it's not supposed to be this ladder that you're climbing. It's supposed to be a, a union to protect its workforce, which is us, the actors. And Unfortunately, it's really difficult for actors to get in. You know, it seems kind of silly that I have 
worked off Broadway. I've led two national tours. I've been a lead yep. at an equity house and I still don't have my equity card, you know, again, exactly. it's not a right. big deal. I'm not worried about it, but it's like, it's like, why is it that way? <laughs> you know, it's kind of silly. So, um, yeah. but again, it's never really been, it's just never been a huge thing for me. I would love to join the union if, and when it happens, but yeah. I, it's all, that's just always been my mindset. Like it will come when it comes. And for now I'm going to take advantage of all the great work that I can do, you know, because I think working non-union, you know, I played Sally Bowles at 26 in the non-union tour and I couldn't have done that in an equity production. They cast Sally as stars. Most mm-hmm. of the time, you know, it's usually like a big name. She's usually older, so I feel like that was an opportunity that I was afforded because I was non-union, mm. because they just can bend the rules a little bit and cast things differently. Yeah. And I feel like that was a really, a really special experience for me that I might not have had if it were equity, you know, or if it like if I auditioned for the Broadway show, I just wouldn't have been considered because I'm not famous. So sometimes it can just work in your favor, you know, sometimes you can play something that maybe it's you're supposed to be like 20 years older, <laughs> but it's non-union. So it's OK. You can get away with it or there's just a little bit more leeway. And so I think sometimes it's it's good to, to get your foot in the door and to work some of these huge roles, you know, that might be more difficult getting into uh, with people who have, you know, 10 Broadway credits on their resume. So it's it's kind of cool to to be in that world and and to work your way through different roles and, and shows that you just love and really want to work on, you know? And I think we all have to start somewhere. Not that that's a bad place to start, but I feel like, like I was with an agent when I first got out of school and they dropped me after the first year. And I think they just were, I think they were upset or not upset, but I think sometimes it's like, oh, well, you didn't get your equity card. So you're still doing non-union work. So we're going to move on to someone else. And that's so silly to me because I've had a full career in the last few years of doing incredible work and nobody cares that it's non-union. Like if you're watching a video of me singing, she used to be mine. Nobody's like, oh, but that was a exactly. non-union production. Or maybe people are, I don't know, because I think there can be a stigma, but like, it shouldn't be that way. It's so yeah. silly. So yeah. How, how has it been being non-union was the question. So that's, that's kind of my experience. I mean, it's been great and yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. And there's not, it, just because you're non-union doesn't mean you're less talented than a union person. You know, it's just, it yeah. is what it People is. People need to hear that. So thank you for getting into that. Um, it's really important, I think, for our listeners to know yeah. that it's there's no like ranking system or any of that. It's all silliness. Just be you and work hard and <laughs> it's your journey. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience with, like, I guess, what was the audition process like for both tours? And do you like tour life? We'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So for Cabaret, I was actually out of town doing a production of Million Dollar Quartet when I saw the Cabaret breakdown on Actors Access. And I sent in some tapes and they actually sent me, I think they had maybe already had a few rounds of auditions and like still hadn't found their Sally. And so I sent in tapes and they went ahead and gave me the Sally packet, which I think I'm pretty sure I sent in like maybe this time cabaret and three scenes just for my initial audition. Uh, And it was all taped and I sent those in and ended up getting a callback and the callback was in person. And thankfully I was back from my contract when the in-person callback happened and I went in for the callback I think I just, I went to one callback and I think that was, that was the end of the rope. Again, they had had a bunch of auditions already. So at that point they were kind of down to their last picks. And so I went into just straight to final callbacks and, uh, 
And they actually told me on the spot that day that they wanted wow. me to play Sally. And I, um, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Brian Ensman from um, Prather walked out and they asked me to hang around for a little bit. And I didn't know what they were going to say. And he came back out and just said, we want you to be their next Sally Bowles. And I Aww. just started crying because it was yeah. huge for me and such a dream. And it kind of felt like the first big thing, you know, and, and yeah, and you were so young, 26, like, wow. Yeah. And I was, I was in a relationship at the time and kind of was always comparing and I, and he was working a lot. And I don't know. It felt like I always kind of felt like I was following his footsteps a little bit. Like even the contract I was doing, mm. we were together and this was like my, my thing, you know, and I felt really, really proud of that and really excited to, to have some autonomy in that, in my career and in my life. And so that was that was cabaret. It was it was really really cool. So the first and only time I've ever had someone just in the moment say, "Wow, you booked this." <laughs> it was kind of crazy. And then with waitress, I had another odd kind of experience. I gosh, how do I? I feel like I've told the story sure. a million times. Um, if anyone like loves waitress, they've probably heard me talk about this. But um, I I actually got it kind of from Instagram because I had gone to see mm. Shoshana Bean and Jeremy Jordan and I posted, you know, an, a boomerang of the playbill on my Instagram story as we all do. <laughs> and uh, one of the producers from Networks had seen me doing cabaret and I didn't even know that he followed me on Instagram, but he did. And um, he, he messaged me when he saw the post and asked, he just said something like, uh, you would make it such a great Jenna. Are you going to audition? And I didn't even know the auditions were happening. I was in a show at the time. I had already auditioned and actually had booked something else that I was supposed to be doing that fall. So I wasn't even looking at breakdowns. But Jenna had been my dream mm. for years, like years. I knew all of the words by heart. I'd seen the show three times. I just loved it. And, um, so long story short, we messaged a little bit more later on and, and they had already had their first rounds of auditions. And, but he sent me, uh, through their executive producer Trinity. And it was like, here's our ex executive producer, send your headshot and resume. I'm going to put in a good word. We're going to get you set up with an audition. And they brought me in. It was their <laughs> final callbacks week. And they brought me in for an initial appointment on Monday, uh, for Jenna. Then they called me back on Wednesday and they gave me Dawn sides to read and like the Jenna cover sides, which had some ensemble stuff. So then I went back in Wednesday, went to a movement call, read for Dawn and then also read for Jenna. And then they <laughs> and then they called me back on Friday and it said it said for the Jenna Dawn understudy. And again, I had already booked this other thing and I didn't know. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to turn down a lead in another show, even though Waitress is my dream to, to cover it. Like I just, I was kind of torn and, um, the casting director called me and said, I know the, your email said it's just for the cover, but we're still considering okay. you for Jenna. I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, huh? okay, we're, we're going to do this. And, uh, I went in on Friday for final callbacks and then it happened like, ah, uh, I'm kind of getting emotional just thinking about it. The whole thing was so, so wild. And it, yeah. again, it just was one of those pinch me moments. Like, how is this happening? It just totally fell into my lap. You know, it's like, I think there were years and years of manifesting yeah. this thing, but like, then it just happened and meant to be. Yeah. Just kind of wild that it, that it more or less came through <laughs> Instagram. 
<laughs> yeah. That's totally crazy. I know things like that happen through social media, but at the same time, I look at social media and I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's just like amazing what can happen and like right place, right time, but also yeah. like you never know who's watching you. And like, that's a huge statement and so many factors in that way, right? Like right. You, you never know who's watching you at a show. So if you're like feeling tired that night and it's or the Sunday matinee, which I feel on Sunday matinees, I'm like, oh, no, it's a Sunday matinee. But like you don't know who's in the audience and who's going to like follow you or like you just never know who's going to reach out or who's going to remember you from a year ago or who's watching your social media. You want to make sure it's authentically you, which like we're going to get into that with Bailey. She does like an incredible job with her platform and totally an influencer in my mind. I don't care if you don't have the 10,000 followers, you're an influencer <laughs> to me. <laughs> and clearly like a non-equity theater influencer, <laughs> like everyone can agree with that. And like, again, honored to have you to like chat about like, it's not all about equity and it makes me like really admire you even more that you are non-equity with like all of the stuff you've done. Be right back with more after this. So let's talk about uh, tour life and like any, you know, juicy <laughs> uh, things that you want to chat about waitress wise. Mm. I think our listeners would love to hear some like backstage moments or um maybe what your favorite city was performing in. I know you performed in Tennessee, uh, which I'm sure was wonderful to have your family come see you. Yeah. So um, yeah, talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, waitress, oh, it's just the best. It's it still is such a, a sweet, sweet memory. And it, it feels like it got, got taken from us. You know, it did because we got shut down because of COVID. And I know so many people experience that in a number of different ways. Um, but it's like, it's kind of this bittersweet thing to talk about because I feel like we had an amazing few months. We only did about half of our tour, but then it's like, oh, we missed out on, on so much too. But tour life is crazy and amazing and fun and really, really hard and <laughs> kind of like the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> it is all of the things. It's um, an incredible opportunity. I think everyone should tour if you get the chance it's amazing to see all these different places. Like, I'm just always amazed. We forget how big our country is and how many different types of people are here and how many different ways of life there are. And I don't know, it's like, we're all kind of in our own bubble and wherever we are, but there are just, there's so much to, to offer and to take in and to see here, you know, in the, in the States. And I think, I'm always like, I want to travel abroad and do all these things, but there's so much to see here. And I feel like you get to see places that I wouldn't normally just take a trip to, um, I don't know, Albuquerque, New mm. Mexico, but that was one of my favorite stops, like in all of tour. It was so cool, like just to see it, it's such a different place, you know, and um, that was really, really, really cool. And just one of those places that I would like never think to just go to Albuquerque, but it turned out to be amazing. And you know, I love like finding local shops and boutiques <laughs> and vintage stores and coffee shops. It's kind of my favorite thing to do during the day <laughs> if you have time and if you're not totally exhausted. <laughs> so it's fun to just kind of, you know, insert yourself into this place for a week or a couple of days, however long you're there and kind of become part of the community in a way. But it, it is really, really difficult. It's so hard on your body, you know, for non-union tours, you're usually on a bus traveling 
multiple days a week. You know, it's every once in a while we would have some week long sit downs, but a lot of times we would do one nighters or two or three nights in one one venue and then we are on the bus and on to the next place. So it's really, really taxing on your body, um, on your voice, mm-hmm. mentally, <laughs> emotionally, spiritually, like it's kind of just kind of puts you through the ringer. But again, trial by fire, like you're just thrown into it and you learn quickly how to adapt because you have to, you know, like you have to find out what you need, what your process is, what, like if you get up at seven get on the bus, get to the hotel at four and have to leave at five for sound check, what are you going to do in that hour? You know, mm-hmm. like, are you taking a nap? Are you showering? Are you going to the gym? Are you getting food? Are you taking a walk? Like you just really learn to prioritize what you need and, and self-care just becomes very, very real and very necessity. You know, I feel like it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, self-care is trending, you know, but like, it is really important to, to figure out what you need to keep going and then to show up and, and be 100% consistent, you know, to, you have to give that same show no matter how tired you are, or if the hotel was not great and your body hurts because of the hotel bed, or if you slept on Mm -hmm. the bus for seven hours, you know, nobody cares when you're on stage. They just want to see you give the show and you, you know, you have to be there and be present and give it. So (laughs) it's like the most amazing experience and one of the most difficult experiences, but so, so wonderful. And I don't throw any of the like negative stuff in there to, mm-hmm. you know, commiserate about it, but just to say that th- that's very real, you know, it is, re- it really is, it's a tough, tough job, but then it's also amazing to say, you know, especially for our tour, cause we were the first non-union production of Waitress, like we're doing this show, the same show everybody else was, but we're also like on a bus and we're traveling to all these different places and, you know, doing crazy amounts of shows in a row before a day off, which shouldn't be a thing non-union or union in my opinion but all those things so then you're like it's kind of a proud moment too to say we did that we got through the really really difficult circumstances and we did our best and we gave an amazing show and you know we we did that so that's kind of my thoughts on tour life touring and all of those experiences (laughs) um waitress like the hot goss from waitress um Gosh, let me think. Um, I mean, of course, there were some crazy like mishaps. There always are. I, oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I, I mean, I'm kind of clumsy, but I just feel like <laughs> stuff happens to me. Like, I don't know. When I was on the cabaret tour, I like broke my pinky toe. I had the flu. I had strep oh, throat. God. I had an ear infection through the course of like five oh. months. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, why am I falling apart? And kind of more or less happened with waitress too. Like, like David almost broke my nose at one point during bad idea reprise. Uh, like I thought it was broken legit and like it was bleeding on stage and he had no idea, you know, so we're going through the song and I'm thinking my nose is broken and he's like just singing the song and then later realizes he has blood on his shirt. And so he goes off and he's like, I don't know, like, I don't know where this blood came from, but and then later he came back on stage and they were like, well, just see if like, she seems fine. And he came back on and like, I guess I seemed fine, but of course I was like, I had to do the whole second act. So he like left the stage and was like, no, she's fine. She looked like everything was fine. But Not meanwhile, fine. I had gone over to Gabby in a moment where we were like side stage and she was like wiping my nose <laughs> with the rags that were supposed to be cleaning yeah. the tables in Joe's diner. Good. Good. Um, just like crazy. So that was great. My nose wasn't broken. Thankfully it was fine. It was like bruised and, and, my goodness. and bloody and, uh, 
I got a black eye at one point. Hey, it's um, an athletic sport in my I mind. I mean, this sounds so ridiculous. Theater is athletics <laughs> and dangerous. It's yeah. dangerous. Oh, my goodness. We certainly are athletes. Um, oh. There was a moment where the, the sound went out completely, oh and it came at the worst possible time. It was, like, right after... <laughs> She used to be mine, and Jenna goes into labor. Spoiler alert, if no one's seen the show, yeah. Jenna goes into labor, and there's this whole, like, beautiful ballet scene, like, pregnancy. What's it called? The uh, I forget what it's called, but they're all, like, breathing. All these pregnant women are breathing together and, like, having, like, labor pains. And then Jenna goes off stage and does her quick change and gets on a hospital bed, and they roll her back on, and she's screaming, <laughs> like, in labor, like, <laughs> yelling. Oh, and no. that's when the sound cut out. The whole soundboard just shut down, and then we hear someone come over the god mic and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Actors, will you please exit the stage?" And scene. And <laughs> I mean, I just was frozen, and oh. we all kind of looked at each other like, "What do we do?" Like I was literally in a hospital bed with my legs spread in a hospital gown, like <laughs> mid labor, and so. Yeah, ready to pop. So then we had to just walk off stage and wait for it to happen and then come back on and go right back into it, you know, without uh, – it just was crazy because then you lose all of the momentum and it's it was so yep, awkward that we theater. walked off stage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that stuff, it just happens. But I think do, doing a show for that long, you, ex, you know, you experience so many of those crazy just freak things. I feel like we're so resilient. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Was there ever a moment that was just like so heartwarming? Oh man. I mean, that that happened all the time. There would be moments at the end of the show when, you know, we've just been on this huge journey. If you know the show, it's so powerful and it really touches and heals so many people. And uh we get to the end of the show, we do bows and then we sing, you know, kind of a repetition of of the opening up finale we all just stand in a line at the end of the stage and sing and dance and we're like fully in, like breaking the fourth wall and just engaging with the audience and just the looks on people's faces and the joy you would see in people's faces people wearing waitress shirts you know kids adults couples <laughs> like holding on to each other i mean oh it's going to make me emotional talking about it because oh i miss that so much um, it's so special. It's so, 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 so special. But I think those were the moments where you, you just are like, wow, we just shared this experience together, you know, and, and it meant something to, to everyone in this room and to see people's faces and, you know, stage door is kind of similar too to get to connect with, with people and hear their stories and how the show impacted them. I mean, all of that just, just means the world to me. I think, community is my favorite my favorite part about what I do and about this industry and to get to connect with people and impact people and and you know really see that is just it's so powerful so so sweet yeah and to do it with uh Sarah Bareilles's music which I'm a huge I've always been a huge fan of her since I was young is like something worth sharing and like holding on to and um celebrating I think as well because there's nothing like I don't know there's nothing like that music um in a show and then like the movie and the storyline and everything right. about it I think is just so incredibly special and I'm sure there were so many moments of um connection with the audience and I I can't wait to get back to that and I'm sure you feel that yeah. as well because we will we will get back to it <laughs> mm, yeah absolutely yeah, I'd love to talk about your social mm -hmm. media platform 
briefly, Bailey, what inspired you to go off on that and um, create your own fashion social media platform as well and like essentially become an influencer? And yeah, can you like kind of give us a brief synopsis of that about your journey with that and like how it's really grown? Sure. I've always loved Instagram and social media as a way of connecting. You know, again, it's it's very community-oriented, community-driven for me. I love to connect with people there and my friends and family and now, you know, fans of Waitress and and shows that they've seen me and it's it's really, really cool. Obviously, it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's, you know, there's so much good and there can be so much so much negativity and toxicity and, and stuff with socials as well. Um, so I, I recognize that. But I mean, I never thought too much about my Instagram before, honestly, like the last year. And mm. it's just always kind of been like a form of journaling, you know, just kind of like a form of expression and shared moments of my days and and things that are special to me and people that are special to me. Um, so I never like put too much thought into it. <laughs> When I was doing a production of Grease in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin at the Fireside Dinner Theater, that's when I first started my fashion account, which I thought was going to be a blog. I never really write. I sometimes still call it a blog because that's just easier than being like my style Instagram account, not my personal one. So I started that just kind of for fun. Like I, uh, I've always loved fashion and it's just another huge part of me and of my life. And I don't remember really how it started. I just, I think I was already sharing a lot of my, I mean, I post, I post pretty frequently on my own anyway. So I'm like always sharing my outfits and people will ask, you know, where's that from? It kind of just started that way. And then I, I was with the most amazing group of women, ladies, if you're listening, I love you all so much. Aww. That women's dressing room was the best experience of my entire life. They were just the best. <laughs> um, and they like really encouraged me to start this thing. And Aww. and we like every day we would come in for the show and we would talk about it. And we would talk about like what was my Instagram handle going to be. And we were like workshopping names Cute. and they were so supportive. And the first ones to like follow me on my account and share it on their stories and, and share it with other people. And it meant so, so much to me. And I was... I was in a really rough place personally, just going through a lot. And it was really nice to have one, the support of these amazing women. And then two, just to have kind of this other creative outlet and something to, to pour myself into. And it really just started out as a, as a fun place to share more of, you know, more specifically like my outfits and how I style things, because I felt like it was it would come up a lot in conversation and on my other account. So I thought, well, I'll just like make make this blog and and share all that stuff, you know, because I I didn't follow a ton of bloggers um, at the time, but there were some who I follow, you know, people that I look up to. I'm a very visual person, so I really, I don't read a lot. I just see, you know, if I see the way someone has styled their their room, like that sticks with me and I that's how I get my inspiration. You know, if I like, the, I see a picture of someone's really cool outfit, like that sticks with me. So I think that's why I kind of just stuck with the Instagram route, but that's how it started. It really was just a, a fun little thing. And then I just kept at it and did it more and more. And eventually it started to grow. And then I realized maybe I could actually kind of do this. Like I'm like, people are following me. People are interested. 
where is this going to go? And and then I started getting, you know, <laughs> brand collaborations with people just sending me stuff. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so I'm getting like free clothes. This is really cool. I just have to post a picture. Okay, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> That's um, what it's <laughs> Again, I love clothes. I don't need to spend as much money as I do on clothes. So people giving me free clothes was amazing. And that's how that started. And then I started to realize that like, oh, well, if people are giving me stuff, you know, I could probably start to make money doing this. So then I started to, what if this was my side hustle? Like, what if I was an influencer on the side? And um, I felt like it could really be possible. And so I started, I started to make a little bit of money. It's weird. We don't, I don't want to get into like all of the logistics about how the blogging and influencing world works because it is so not linear. Like it's not just like one day you're making money. And like, it was like, I got one thing for like $400 and then I didn't have another paid thing for months. You know, it's, it's, it's really unstable at the beginning at least. Uh, and then I think probably for a long time, unless you just, you, you really, really, really grow. So that's kind of how I started all of that. <laughs> well, let us know how we can follow you. Let yeah, the please. know how to follow you please, so we yes. can get you some more. I'm sure everybody's curious now that you've talked about it. I want to see it. Like- <laughs> so uh, my personal Instagram account is at I'm Bailey McCall. And my, my style account is at by Bailey McCall. It's had many different iterations, but that's what it is right now. Um, full disclosure, I'm not really doing the blogging influencing stuff on my style account uh, anymore, at least for now. I did get like a random paid yeah. campaign. I was like, okay, I'll do that after I, had, like, I haven't done anything for a couple of months um, with Neutrogena, which is really, really cool. But um, I just kind of took a step back from it. Once I started to realize that I could make money and that I was maybe kind of good at this. And obviously I love clothes and this could be a a side hustle and all these things. Then it just became about the work. And I already am a workaholic. I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if any of y'all know the Enneagram. I'm a three, (laughs) very success driven, goal oriented, like results oriented, like only do things because I'm going to win or be the best or achieve something. Mm. Um, can be really great. We're working on it. We're, we're in therapy. We're working on it. Um, lots to learn. (laughs) Yeah. So all that to say it just over the course of the last year, I just realized it became not super fulfilling for me. And I spent a lot of time at the beginning of quarantine pouring into my my blog, which I had kind of taken some time away from on tour because it was just hard to keep up with it. And then once we were in quarantine and I wasn't doing anything, it seemed like such a great time to be investing in in my style account, you know? And I was sharing like all this stuff and I was buying clothes basically just to post on my Instagram, you know? And I realized later on, like, that seems silly. <laughs> that seems silly. Like I've, I spent money on clothes that I'm not really wearing. And I, and I'm always super, or I try to be super authentic and genuine, you know, like if I'm going through a tough time or a tough season, I don't try to just mask it with, you know, things are wonderful, but it felt so trivial to me to be posting about like what shoes I bought in the middle of a global pandemic, racial unrest, Mm -hmm. you know, the political crisis that we were in, you know, it just got to a point where it was like, this is not really where my heart is right now. And it's, 
It's not super nourishing. It became so much work that I kind of lost the joy in it all. And from a really like silly point of view, I miss just posting what I wanted to post like on my regular account. Like, I don't know. I just felt like everything had to be perfectly curated and I wasn't Photoshopping them, but like I was, you know, editing them to all like a certain way and you want it to look nice in your grid and everything had to just be perfect and all together and meeting deadlines and, you know, posting the thing that somebody sent me. It just became so much work and it started out super cool. And then later I just realized like, it's just, I don't know. It it just wasn't super nourishing for me. I feel like I'm rambling about it, but hopefully this is kind of making sense. It's been a long process and a long journey of like, discovering all of this. So um, I'm still kind of working through it myself, but I wanted to take a step back because I just, I kind of felt like, I don't know, my heart's not really in it. And I read a, like a meme somewhere that said, just because you're great at something doesn't mean you have to make money doing it or something like that. You know, like you don't have to monetize everything Mm -hmm. that you're good at. You don't have to monetize everything that you're passionate about. We live in such a capitalist society that it's like, oh, I'm good at this thing. So I have to do it and make money and be the best. But like, Sometimes you can just do things because you enjoy doing them. And it doesn't have to be more than that. And that's, again, Mm. as an Enneagram 3, scary for me because I'm like, but I want to win. I want to be the best. I want to make money. Um, So, again, something that I'm learning. But that's kind of why I've decided to take a step back. And and I also have lots of thoughts about, about, um, you know, the, the like toxic side of social media and especially for for women and and I think it's not always the case in the blogging and influencing world but a lot of times we are being bombarded with just like product after product women like woman after woman who is just like seemingly perfect and all put together and you know that can be really hard to consume on a day-to-day basis because we see all these like perfectly curated pictures on Instagram, you know, it's like somebody's out like walking their dog and looking amazing in the morning. And, you know, it's like, well, dang, like, I don't look like that walking my dog. I, something's wrong with me. I need to do X, (laughs) Y, and Z or, you know, that's a silly example, but it's like, we're constantly being bombarded by all of these, yeah, filtered and Photoshopped and, and ads and, you know, product placements and all these things. It's like, you just get lost in all of that and having, you know, kind of uh, you know, a small following of, of young women, especially from waitress, like, I really don't want to contribute to that. Um, the idea that you have to buy this thing to like, look cute, or you have to use this skincare product for your skin to be good enough. You have to look a certain way or dress a certain way, or just this ideas of upholding these unrealistic beauty expectations, especially for women, I just think is is even worse now than it's ever been. And, and some of that comes from social media. And I, uh, it's really important to me to show like the good, the bad and the ugly and to show authenticity. And I eventually have just kind of gone back to posting on my personal account and sharing a little bit more of that side of things, but also like showing my cute outfits because I love them. Um, but like, that's not all of me, you know, and, and the personal account, it felt like this is me. I am my clothes in my closet. And that's just, that's not it. That's not exciting to me. And that's not how I want to like represent myself, you know? So, um, again, I say all of that and then I'm like, I'm doing a Neutrogena campaign right now. Um, but it's actually been really fun going back into it because I took, you know, three, four months off and then I had this one thing and now it was like, oh, I can actually put some, you know, creative, 
ideas and like input into Creative spin on it. Yeah. A shoot for this instead of just thinking, oh my gosh, I have this other thing I have to take pictures of. Like, uh, I'm like selling a product. I don't want it to be because somebody was like, oh gosh, I forgot I have to take this picture. You know, <laughs> it's all that makes sense. <laughs> it really does. Thank you for your openness and like your willingness to get deep about it. I think it's like some golden material. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. Like you said, everything you do like is part of who you are. So even if it isn't something you're doing for money, it can still be art and you can still be an artist if you aren't pursuing it as a career. So I think kind of my journey with the the blog, quote unquote blog, Instagram and kind of all of these thoughts that I've been having, you know, I think kind of came from this this period of of the pandemic and quarantine where we've all just been forced to sit with ourselves and and with our thoughts and I think it's been a, a big time of reflection and of growth and of self-assessment, you know, like I think it almost was like we went into quarantine thinking, how am I going to fill my time? You know, like I want to fill my time. I want to like make this productive or I want to make it restful or whatever we thought. It was like all about how and what am I going to do? And I think at least for me, as quarantine went on, it was like, I guess more about why, you know, like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending eight hours a day on this this style account, you know, on Instagram or on TikTok or which there's nothing wrong with any of that, but, but why, you know? Um, and, and I think that kind of led me to, to question what really mattered to me and what is important to me. And I think this time has taught all of us to really value what we spend our time on and our energy, you know? Um, I think we, we learn just how precious it is, you know? And so I think that's, that's interesting going into now this transitional time of things are starting to open back up, you know, hopefully theater is going to be back soon. Film and television is kind of happening. Like we're kind of getting there. And I think, um, I, I opened up this conversation a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram account, actually, because I, um, turned down something that I was not really sure I wanted to do. And it came out of nowhere and it was last minute. And then I felt so guilty for turning down a thing, you know, after all of this time, like so desperate Mm. to perform, but I had just gotten back to the city and, you know, I had some like exciting things happening here. And I also just was like buying plants and taking care of my cat in our new apartment and like decorating my studio and I got all my stuff out of storage that was there for a year and a half and just kind of like rooting myself here um, again for the first time. And, you know, someone said to me, just in case it needs to be said, you know, the fact that you're just settling back into the city, you're just settling back into a new job, even though it's not an acting job, that's enough reason for you to not go do this thing if you don't actually really want to, you know? And that was so kind of mind-blowing for me because I think we're taught, especially as like young artists coming up, like in school or whatever, we're taught that, you know, take whatever you can get, like do the thing, like pay your dues, work your way up, say yes to everything. And that's how you like build your, your career. But like, how are you building your life? (laughs) You know, like that's really important. And I think that's something that I'm kind of just learning, which is so silly at 29 to be saying that I'm just now learning that I can like value buying a new plant and like watering my plants and not wanting to like leave town because I don't want to leave them and my cat, you know, it's, it's silly, but like, 
that's okay. And if it wasn't a, a project that I was passionate about and didn't feel the need to do it artistically, like there's nothing wrong with that. And that was kind of a lesson that I had to learn. But I, I opened up this conversation about ha has quarantine made you more picky about the projects that you're doing and the things you want to let into your life? Or has it made you more just desperate for anything? And I kind of got mixed responses, but the, the majority said it has made me more picky. Like I have higher standards. I mm. know more of what is important to me, what I value. I'm not wasting time on things that, that I don't want or need or that don't nourish don't me. me. Yeah. <laughs> and like, wow, isn't that amazing that this horrible, horrible time unfortunately has kind of pushed us to to see this and i think it's really amazing that so many of us are are kind of finding this way and so i hope that's encouraging for for everyone and especially for people who are starting out because it can be that way now and that kind of ties back into what i was saying earlier about you know i tried retail and working at a restaurant and nannying and all these things and it's important to find like joy in your day-to-day -day, even when you're not in a show even when you're not performing because like that's your life <laughs> you know yeah I that's forget that that's sometimes. just Bailey and which is like important yeah because it's not just Bailey right. it's you it's right. you your day-to-day -day, you hang out with yourself every day always <laughs> yeah you know you have to enjoy yeah that. so all of that yeah right so I think I don't know. It's just, it's, it's taught me to really like kind of ask myself what I really want to do, you know, and, and why mm -hmm. am I doing that thing? You know, is it just because somebody else expects me to, is it because I feel like I have to, from a career standpoint, is it because it's really something I'm passionate about and is creatively fulfilling, artistically fulfilling, takes me to a place I want to go, makes me money. Like there are so many answers to your why, but I think it's just important to, to address that and, and to know that we have more like say in what we do. And from a career standpoint, from the day to day, um, I don't know, that's kind of been my journey and process for the last year. And I'm still learning and working through it. So I feel like this is very stream of consciousness, all of my thoughts, but, um, who said this? I heard somewhere or read a quote somewhere that said, um, something about we shouldn't be trying to teach things that we're still in the process of learning. Like I'm still working through all of this. I, I feel like, especially in this day and age with social media and especially during the quarantine, there's like all of these self-help tips and everybody's like therapizing and, you know, like this is my journey and this is my truth and this is what I'm doing, which is all great. But like Everybody kind of has to find that for themselves, you know, and it's so wonderful to have these conversations and open up these dialogues and share them. But um, I think it's important for us to kind of sit with our learning, you know, and to know that it's OK to still be figuring it out. And just because I'm not like preaching about it on Instagram doesn't mean that it's not real and valid for me. Does that make sense? We're both shaking our heads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. Yes. It oh, does, does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, does it ever? So... I don't know if I answered your question, if I'm just rambling, but... Oh, you did. Um, okay, great. <laughs> you definitely did. Everyone listen to that and replay it <laughs> several times. <laughs> Take that with you, too, when we're... Hopefully, when you're listening to this episode, maybe things are 
almost back to normal, (laughs) you know, like a year from now or something, you know, like this, this doesn't just apply to today and our current world, which we Mm. chatted about a lot as well, Bailey, like, remember all of this stuff going into when things go back to normal and when you're in a show again and that work-life balance and watering your garden like we talked about and remembering your why, why are you on stage? (laughs) Why are you doing this career? Yeah. (laughs) You know, keep that why forever in everything you do ask questions always Mm. ask yourself and others I think is like what makes you whole and successful and feel like happy (laughs) which at the end of the day is like the most important over just like saying yes to a job right yeah (laughs) it's deeper than that I think and it's not all of you you know like your career is not all of you and I think it's it's really hard when you are your business you know like you're an actor, you are your business. You, mm-hmm. you are the product that you are selling, that other people are selling and consuming, you know, but like, it's not all of you. And I think that's so, so, so important to remember in, in every facet of life and also auditioning. Like, I mean, again, authentic is, I feel like I've, we've said that word a million times, but it's so important to, to know who you are and what you value and why, and, and to let that kind of lead you through life and your career. And I think this is just more of what, of what we were saying, but I like that you, that you said this should be carried into like when things are back to normal. I hope this is not just kind of Mm -hmm. this like romantic period of, you know, romanticizing all that, all the life (laughs) lessons we've learned over the last year. Like, no, let this be real. So we are different when we come out of this. Right. And that we carry that forward. Feeling good. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I feel like we just had like a really long, like coffee Right? Like sit. Yeah, but like one of Bailey's favorite coffee places. Beautiful (laughs) art around us. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, let's get this wrapped up. So Mm -hmm. everybody, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share us with your friends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on Instagram at Dressing Room Talk Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Dressing Room Talk Podcast. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Dressingroomtalk at gmail.com. Michaela, what's our website? Please go onto puddledropmedia.com. That is the amazing Jim Lasher, our editor, producer, king of everything, his website, his platform. And if you Go on his website. There is a whole section for Dressing Room Talk where you can just play an episode right from there. Don't even have to get on Spotify or Apple um, with descriptions and our bios and everything that you need to know about us and what we're up to and what's happening and what guests are coming next. We don't tend to give you those spoilers, but (laughs) if you shoot us an email, maybe we'll say something. You never know. (laughs) Um, Yes. And thank you so much again, Bailey. What I feel honored (laughs) to have you on the podcast today and Mm -hmm. your words of wisdom and advice and the experiences that you've had and sharing them with us and your transparency and your openness to talk about the deeper levels of being an artist and what it means to be human, which we are like big proponents of being human artists first Mm -hmm. (laughs) than just Mm -hmm. artists. Uh, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for um, sharing all of that with us today. Thank you. All right, Bailey, go ahead and send us off. I'm Bailey. I'm Michaela. And I'm Grace. And And this this is Dressing Room Talk. Talk.